Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello humans, it's your host Corey, and today we're going to talk about what you can do when you don't know what to do. And this is a timely topic for me because right now I feel like I'm at an intersection in my life where I have a lot of opportunity on the table, which is a great option. But at the same time, I feel very overwhelmed and unsure about what my next steps forward should be. And even though this moment right now has a bit of stuck energy to it, and it also has the same expansive energy of possibility, it still reminds me a lot of a more negative form of this sort of situation from many years before. So pretty early in my healing journey when I was trying to move away from my toxic family and their drama, when I was trying to get out of this habitual pattern of unhealthy relationships, self-harm, bad habits, I was experiencing a similar overwhelm, a similar uncertainty of how to move forward, what were the right choices for me at that time, what could I do to improve my situation, just a lot of uncertainty and what I needed to do about it. So like many things, there are always variations. It could be because you are in a tough situation, you're trying to move out of trauma or a bad situation, or the steps that you do have available to you, there's just no great options. It doesn't look like anything that you would be particularly excited about doing, but you know you need to do something. Or it can be a little bit more like what I'm experiencing now, which is I need to do something to shift my situation. And I have several good options that I could pursue, but I don't know which one would be the right one for me at this time. There's almost a paralysis of choice about if I choose something, will it take me away from my goals or will it take me toward my goals? And so in any of these cases, what we're usually left with is a feeling of I don't know what to do. And so if you've ever experienced, I don't know what to do. I hope that today's episode will give you a few options that might help you to shift things in your own life and, quote, put you on track. Though I'm going to argue at the end of the episode why on the right track is an illusion. (laughs) But before we get there, let me just walk you through some of the things that I find most helpful at a time like this. And this episode is going to be just as much for me as it is for you today, because like I said, I'm here right now in a very similar situation and I need to hear these things too. And that's the best way to take care of ourselves sometimes, is to be our own best advocate to tell ourselves the things that we need to hear in order to move forward. I am still learning and growing with everybody else and probably will until the day I die, (laughs) and likely even after that, who knows. Because I'm feeling like I don't know what to do, one of the things I'm trying to focus on is getting still. And stillness is important on two levels. There's inner stillness and there's external stillness. Inner stillness is helping my mind to get as calm as possible, helping my mind to get as clear as possible, helping it not to be tangled up in strong emotions like anxiety or fear because those will absolutely influence my choices. 
and will also influence my ability to see opportunity or to identify a good course of action. So stillness inside my mind is absolutely essential in a time where I need to be making crucial decisions. And one of the ways that I get still on the inside is, of course, meditation. You knew I was going to say it. But taking a step back, looking at my thoughts, breathing, sitting in my body, trying to figure out what's going on inside that might be influencing me, trying to add counterweight to that racing feeling that we so often carry inside ourselves. And this isn't easy because, especially in American culture, but I'm sure in most Western cultures, there is this undercurrent or narrative of we have to act, we have to do, do, do. Any decision is better than no decision. Go, go, go. There's a lot of pressure to always keep moving. There is no space built into most of our lives for stillness, for a pause. But taking a breath, literally or metaphorically, in between important moments in your life or before you take a big step, before you make a choice, is absolutely essential. So do whatever you can to give yourself that pause, to give yourself that moment of peace so that you can make a decision with all of your foresight and intuition and power behind you. And then externally, getting stillness is something that I can do in a couple of ways. One is limiting my outside voices, and this contributes to my internal stillness as well. Limiting outside voices such as watching too many Instagram reels or YouTube scrolling, anything where I'm taking in a lot of input, a lot of information is going in, Because whether or not we realize it, even though being on the internet a lot, it feels like a very passive way to sort of numb out. But what we're numbing out is our own voice, our own thoughts, our own energy. And so I try to remove myself from as much of that as possible so that I can start focusing more on what I'm saying to myself rather than what I think others are saying. I also try not to ask too many people in my life for input or advice, especially in the beginning. Because if you ask for input or advice too early in a process, you might be easily swayed away from something that could have been a great choice for you, but because someone else didn't understand where you were or they don't know what your vision or goals are, they might give you ideas that are irrelevant or they might discourage you from doing something that might be actually really great for you. So I try not to get any feedback too early in the process. I try to have a good sense of what I want, how I feel about something, before I invite other people into the conversation. I would much rather approach a friend with, I have decided I want to do this. Do you see any obstacles that might come up for me? Or can you think of anything that I need to plan for? That's a much stronger position, a much healthier position than going to someone and not really having a good idea yourself and then being kind of overtaken by their worldview or their beliefs or their perspective without even having a good sense of what you want in a situation. So yes, of course, always invite your loved ones into the conversations. If they have a healthy voice, <laughs> if they're a destructive person, maybe they should not be invited to the to the round table discussion. But if they have good instincts, if they have good intuition, of course, we should always ask people who love us for their input about what's good for us. But sometimes doing that too soon is just counterproductive. Another way that I get still on the outside is I try to limit as much activity and kind of clear away any clutter that's clogging up my life. So if I have too many things to do, if I'm too busy, how am I going to sit down and think about something? How am I going to take a pause and make a good decision if I'm too distracted by the things that are happening in my life? 
So clarifying, simplifying, getting as much off my plate as possible, not saying yes to anything else when I need to take a pause before I figure out what I want to do next. Any way that I can pare down and simplify my life, I do that. And that could be literal clutter clearing. I feel that I think so much better when my office is neat and tidy and my desk is clear. I am certain there is some psychology or science behind that to back it. But anything that makes my external world calm will help me to create that inner feeling of calm, inner feeling of stillness that I need in order to take that breath so that I can make a good decision, whatever decision is best for me, so that I can move forward with a commitment to my choices so that I can feel good about what I need to do next. Or if there's no great choices, (laughs) still feel like I am doing what I know is right to do, even if I know that the next step might be really difficult, which has certainly been true. When my mother was assaulted back in 2006 and she almost died and the original plan had been to bring her to my house, get her away from her abusive brother, get her out of that environment and I had spent so much time and energy and money on making that change in my life. But then I went to go pick her up and she had been drinking, she was still drinking already before I even brought her home, violating the agreement that we had made that she wasn't going to do that anymore, that it was going to be a new life for her. When I decided to break that off and walk away from her and instead focus on making my life happier and more stable instead of continuing to involve myself in her drama cycles, there was a moment in the beginning where I didn't really know what my next step was. Like I knew I wasn't going to have her come stay with me anymore, but I also didn't know what to do for myself. Like, what does my life look like without my mother in it? Being destructive, being always in danger, calling me out of the blue because she needs something. And so I really had to, like, take a break and think about what the next thing was. And none of it looked easy. (laughs) None of it looked great. It's like, do I move away? Do I get into therapy? Am I going to really be harsh about not speaking to her now? Every decision looked like a hard decision. And so... Sometimes the choices that you're making that next step isn't something you're rushing toward. You don't feel particularly excited about it, even if you know you need to do it. But that pause is still so important, that stillness, so that you can gain that certainty that, yes, this is the right thing for me to do, even though it might be really hard in the beginning. I know that this will carry me in the direction that I want to go in. Something that can come out of this stillness is a clarity around your intention. What do you want to happen? What do you want the outcome to be? If you're going to make a move, if you're going to make a change, why? What is your objective there? Do you want a more peaceful home life? Do you want to be happier? Do you want to be healthier? Do you want more loving connections? Do you want to improve your finances? Like, what is it that you're trying to do? And this is the point where sometimes I will run scenarios. Like, I'll think about the different options that I have on the table. And I will run scenarios, both good and bad, in which I will ask myself if I like how that will play out. (laughs) So, for example, recently I made the decision to become a public speaker. I knew for a while that I wanted to keep speaking up about my experiences with my mother, with her poor mental health, with her murder, and how it led me to be someone who had a much better relationship with myself and how I feel that having that good relationship with myself really is the difference between my wellness and her sickness and the tragic ending of her life. But it wasn't an easy decision for me to make to become a speaker because 
speaking, like most people, was terrifying prospect at first. I'm continuing to practice it all the time with this podcast and with other opportunities, but it wasn't like I was like, yay, speaking. But I knew that speaking would carry me in the direction that I wanted to go. I wanted to share that story. I really believed that it would help more and more people. And so it was a difficult decision, but I stood by it. And when I was running the scenarios to help me decide if this was something I really wanted to do, I ran it not just the positive, like, oh, you'll start speaking, you'll be really great at it, you'll be offered lots of opportunities to speak, you'll help so many people, it'll be great. That was certainly one path. But then there was the other path (laughs) that I imagined, because you know my imagination, it could go both ways. So the negative aspect was, oh, you'll start speaking, or no one will even want you to speak, or it'll be really hard to break into speaking. And even if you speak, you'll be terrible at it. What if you fail horribly? What will that look like? And so I ran both scenarios in my mind, both the worst case scenario and the best case scenario. And I was okay with both paths. So in the best case scenario, obviously, I get to help a lot of people and that would be really fulfilling. The worst case scenario, I felt that I would still learn a lot, that I would still have an opportunity to get out there and meet people and hear their stories, and that there would be a lot to be gained from that experience in addition to me becoming better at refining and telling my own stories and connecting with people. And so either way, (laughs) so I encourage you to think about the choices you have on the table and run a scenario, but not just the best case scenario, which you absolutely should run, but also run the worst case scenario. So if it doesn't go the way you hope for, what will that look like? Is there still something to be gained there? And if there is, then maybe it's worth taking a shot anyway, if that's what you're feeling like the next step should be. Nothing wrong with running pros and cons and getting a sense of what you'd be willing to put on the table, what you'd be willing to pay or sacrifice for a certain result, a certain experience. And then once you kind of have a clear sense of what each path looks like, leaving it open to the universe for surprises, of course, but you have a kind of sense of where things might go, then it's a matter of looking at what the actual sticking points are. So what's stopping you from taking one of these paths? What's stopping you from making one of these choices? Is it a mental or emotional block? Like, is there some fear there? Or is it actual logistics? Like, so for example, I knew that I needed to get away from my toxic dating pool (laughs) in Tennessee and moving away from everyone so that I could not accept a phone call from a drunk ex at two in the morning, for example, and then make bad decisions accordingly. If I was too far away from that to keep indulging in that cycle, how was I going to get away? And it wasn't really clear in the beginning. So I started looking at like, how would I actually leave Tennessee? How would I actually go to a new place? What would the new place be? How am I going to move? So on and so forth. And so sometimes there is actual logistical stuff that you have to work out in order to make a change. So is that the problem? Is it just you needing to figure out how to get it done? Or is it an actual mental or emotional block that's keeping you stuck, keeping you procrastinating, keeping you resisting from making a step forward? And so all of this is just meant to kind of help us get a sense of what our options are, taking a breath to figure out if and when we should move forward, getting clear on what will happen if we do, accepting the choices and the consequences on the table to do so. And consequences is not always negative, so don't hear a negative word when I say that. But just accepting what may or may not come. All of these are opportunities for helping us to make that next step, to get clear on what we can do or what we want to do when we don't know what to do. 
And when all else fails, just completely change your mindset. More and more lately, I have been feeling like we live in a culture where we put a lot of emphasis on this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad, this is a good decision, this was a terrible mistake. And depending on what our conditioning is, we might really believe that we're messing up our lives or we're doing the wrong thing. Like, look at me, I keep getting it wrong. And I certainly feel that way when I struggle with some aspect of my success. Like if I launch a book and I don't sell 5 million copies, I'm like, well, I have no one to blame but myself. No, I did that. I'm doing something wrong. And that internalization, of course, is not healthy. But also, I'm beginning to realize more and more that it's not about me at all. But it's more about the idea that living life means knowing that nothing is wasted. The ideas around how to have a good life and the external pressure we get from society, from other people about having to act, having to do something else. We are in control. If we don't get what we want, we have no one to blame but ourselves. I feel that these are more and more just social constructions and that the real path, at least from the Buddhist point of view, is wherever I am. I am on the right track no matter where I am in my life. Because again, sticking with this Buddhist idea, your path is whatever happens. So if something good comes up, that's your path. If something bad comes up, that's your path. You're still on your path no matter what happens to you or what you do or don't do. And the only thing you're supposed to be doing on your path is being here right now, being present, taking in your experiences, living through them, letting them soften you, make you kinder, make you more compassionate, more patient. And that's it. That's really the only right thing to do. So there is no wrong thing. You can't mess this up. If you're living your life, if you are experiencing your day-to-day existence, you're doing everything right. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so I've been trying to align myself more and more with that mindset lately that my sense of peace, my sense of wellness is coming from accepting wherever I am at any given moment, having patience for where I am at any given moment. And this is really hard for me to do because I'm a very strategic, very goal-oriented person. (laughs) But I do have to sometimes stop and ask myself, why am I so attached to these goals? What are goals going to get me in a hundred years? So if I die, either tomorrow or in a hundred years, what are these goals going to matter at all? Like in the great scope of humanity, why does it even matter? Isn't it much more important that I'm here living every day, enjoying those moments as much as I can, doing whatever I can to heal myself, to help other people, to be loving and compassionate? Like, what do I really want out of my life? And usually the honest answer is, I don't want to worry anymore. I don't want to be striving or struggling or afraid anymore. I just want to be at peace in my mind and my heart. But if that's the case, the only action that I can take is to completely accept wherever I am right now in this moment. It's an internal action. Internal action is about mindset. It's about beliefs. It's about shifting things on an internal, mental, emotional level. Practicing self-acceptance, self-compassion, no matter what's going on in our lives. So if you don't know what to do, give up. No, no, no. I'm not saying give up, but I am saying practice a little bit of stillness. Start to accept wherever you are in your path right now. Just relax as much into it as you can, and the clarity will come. That sense of peace will come. You'll be able to make better decisions because you'll see the situation more clearly. And just try not to struggle 
with yourself as much as you can, says the person who was always struggling with herself. <laughs> Don't be like me. Do what you can to fully relax into the present moment. That's the only thing you ever need to do. Okay, dear human, that is all I have for you today. But before I sign off, I would like to remind you that I have opened up the show to questions. So if you have a specific question or situation that you want me to offer my thoughts or experiences on, please email me. Otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. And until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.